welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, praise the Lord. Hi, everybody. Bless God. It is good to be here again with you. Um, it's great to be just just in his presence. Isn't it true? It's great to be with him, to sit in his presence. Things shift, things move, things change in his presence. Can I encourage you, if you're not sitting with Jesus every morning, sit with Jesus. Take the time. It's worth it. It's worth it to sit with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He always comes ready to do something. Sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes it's something you don't see coming. And he reaches in and comes after that thing that maybe is inhibiting you in some way, and he lifts it out. And that's what he does. Amen? He's about freedom. Amen? Yes, let's pray. Come on, Lord, we just thank you. We bless you tonight, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to come back to your word, to to open up your word, Lord Jesus, and Lord Jesus, just to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to touch me now. Help me to bring what you've given me, Lord, to your people. Lord, I pray that it would be helpful. I pray, Lord, that it would help them, that it would equip them for life, Lord Jesus, that it would give them the strength to go on, Lord Jesus, uh, in their everyday, Lord. I thank you that you're the God of the details. I thank you that you are in our everyday. And so I just pray now, Lord, that we would hear from you. Don't want to hear from Patrick Dobbin tonight. We want to hear from you. And we pray that that's exactly what would happen. Honor the preaching of your word, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. We want, we want that, Lord. That's what we want. And so we just love you tonight. We bless you. And we praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So tonight, folks, I want to talk to you about navigating difficult relationships. You can turn around and say, mm, if you want to. Navigating difficult relationships. But if you're honest, I think you'll admit that you probably have one or two. You probably have one or two in your life relationships that challenge you. And if you're thinking of someone in particular right now, uh, I think the great humbling reality is they're probably thinking of you tonight. So yeah, you might be, they might be challenging you and you might be challenging them. But I think we can all admit that we, we all encounter difficult relationships. And, and, and maybe if you're like me, you grew up in a home with a sibling who got away with everything. Yeah got away with everything. Stuff that you used to you used to do and get in trouble for doing. Your sibling, typically a younger sibling. I don't want to talk about my brother Peter when he's not in the room. Uh, <laughs> a younger sibling would sort of sail through uh, things that you used to get caught in. So I would get in trouble for stuff at home that my brother it seemed to just be a slap on the wrist. And I know my family won't like me saying this, but he's all of our favorites. My mom will be freaking out right now, <laughs> screaming at the TV. He's all of our favorites. But maybe you had a sibling like that 
someone who got away with everything. You couldn't get away with it. You tried to sneak out late at night, and you got caught. You got in trouble, and you got grounded. But they didn't even have a curfew. They could show up whenever they wanted. I could just go on and on and on. I think I'm making sense. Pastor Stephen is nodding tonight, so I think he might have one or two siblings just like that. But you know, uh, for me anyway, uh, one, of the, one of the two realities sort of struck me uh, when, when it came to growing up with my family, with my siblings, who I love, by the way, they're, they're like some of my best friends. Um, it, what, the first reality was this. This relationship isn't changing anytime soon. It's not changing anytime soon. So for a season, I'm going to have to grow up or grow alongside uh, somebody who maybe challenged me a little bit. Amen? But the second reality for me was, hey, it is just for a season because eventually there's going to be a separation. Now, I'm talking as if me and my brother are estranged. We talk every day. But eventually there would be a separation. Eventually one of us would turn 18, go to college, and whatever. So there was this sort of tension where in the interim season of life, in that particular season, I had to grow with someone who challenged me. Do you see what I'm saying here? Maybe you identify with what I'm saying. I'd like to read a passage of Scripture with you. And um, I want to, uh, it, has a, a, um, it, it has a particular meaning, uh, but I want to sort of look at a principle that ties in with the story I just gave you. But it's from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Okay, this is the parable of the wheat and the tares. From verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the weeds and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Sorry, when the wheat sprouted, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Verse 28, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you were pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the the wheat with them. Let us both grow together until harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the weeds and bring it into my barn. Before I go any further, I want to say right now that that person who might be challenging you, that challenging relationship, I'm not telling you that that person is going to hell. As much as you may want that, as much as you might desire that, that's not what I'm saying to you right now. But what I am saying to you is this. There is a designated moment where God will bring a separation. So there's a principle of separation there. And folks, I'm not going to talk tonight about eternal judgment. I'm not going to talk tonight about the sons of the kingdom or the sons of the evil one. I'm not going to take the more classic approach to this parable. Instead, I'm going to pull out a principle for life. And the principle for life is this, for a season, God may call you and I to grow 
to be in proximity of, to do relationship or have challenging relationships with difficult people. That's, that's the principle. For a season, God may call you to grow around people who challenge you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought uh, you, you, came, you came for a sunshine and lollipops word tonight. I'm so sorry. <laughs> for a season, for a season, God may call you to do this. And you know, you might be here tonight going, Lord, why won't you deal with what's dealing with me? Lord, I've got, I don't know, it could be a boss, it could be a co-worker, it could be a sibling, it could be a challenge in a marriage. Now, some of you would love to, to think that your, your, your spouses are going to go to hell and, oh, thank God, there's going to be a separation scene. That, uh, listen, if you're in a marriage, there's a couple of biblical reasons why maybe that, you know, it's for another sermon, why maybe that marriage would go in another direction, but it is forever, <laughs> Amen. Yet even in marriage, even marriage is a season. It's a long season, but it's a season. But I think that there's a principle here for every last one of us. Why, Lord, don't you deal with what's dealing with me? And I want to look at this. I want to help you tonight. If you are frustrated, if you're challenged, if you're discouraged, because you are around somebody who challenges you. You're around somebody who you find difficult. I want to encourage you tonight because I think that there's a couple of things that you need. The first thing I think you need is you need comfort. Or excuse me, you need to understand some things. And that's what we're going to look at in the text. You, there's some things you need to understand. And you also need comfort. You do. It can be discouraging. And listen, I bet you there's folks, because I really want to get this out now, if you're thinking of somebody in particular right now who's challenging you, really stop because you are challenging somebody right now. Somebody needs this sermon to deal with you. So I want there to be parity and humility in the house of God tonight. Amen? That's what I want. But you need comfort. You need understanding. You need comfort. And most importantly tonight, you need perspective. You need perspective. And that's where we're going to go in the text. Uh, uh, and so I'd like to just pray again. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And I pray that you would just touch lives now in Jesus' name. So the first thing, we, we, we have three things to consider. Now the scriptures say in verse 25 uh, that an enemy came and sowed weeds among the tares. It says in verse 28 that when the servants of the man who owned the field saw the tares, they came to the man and said, hey, there's wheat in with the tares. Now this was a, a, a real way back in those days where you would be able to sabotage somebody's field. But I, this is what I want to take from those two verses. It says in verse 25 and in verse 28, an enemy did this. An enemy did this. The first point tonight you need to know, you need to consider if you're challenged by a difficult relationship, is that it is not always God. It's not always God. Sometimes it's the enemy working through fallen people, and sometimes it's just people being people. 
Sometimes, some of the difficulties you encounter, some of the hard things you have to deal with in difficult relationships are just people being people. Amen. It just is. Some of our problem is that we read too much into the behavior we experience from challenging people. Sometimes we see through their behavior and we start to derive value from how they treat us. We start to look at how they behave and we start to look beyond them to God. And you know, some of you have been dealing with difficult patterns from difficult people for so long that you have come to the wrong conclusion about the love of God for yourself. I want to challenge that tonight. While I've been going through this for so long, Lord, it must be you. Let me tell you right now, Joseph could have gone Joseph could have gotten the wrong conclusion. Joseph could have come to the wrong conclusion. When his brothers took him, attempted to, it was going to be murder, but for Reuben, and they throw him into that pit in Dothan, and Reuben, in an act of mercy, says that he's going to sell, let's just sell him into slavery. Lovely. And the Midianites come along and take this man into slavery. There he's, in, he's, he's enslaved. He's in Potiphar's house accused. He spends, some commentators think, 13 years in a prison. At a certain point, do you come, if you, if I was Joseph, I would have come to the wrong conclusion. Lord, look at, look, look at the trauma I'm experiencing. How can you, how can this be, how can you love me? I know we don't want to admit that. I know we're too sanctified tonight to admit that we, we can sometimes interpret God through human behavior. But let me tell you something right now, folks. And I love this. So you ready? God isn't always the author, but he's always in authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 50 verse 20. What did Joseph say to his brothers after God had exalted him? What does he say to his brothers? He said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Hallelujah tonight. Hello. Some of us misquote it and say, what you intended for evil, God turned for good. That's not what it says. It says, what you turned for, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. God didn't author the malevolent behavior, the toxic behavior. God had a higher intention for it. Their toxicity will not affect your trajectory in Jesus' name. Isn't that powerful tonight, folks? Praise the Lord. That's, 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 that's point number one. Amen. Point number two is this. The Bible says that when the wheat began to grow higher and higher and higher the weeds began to appear. Folks, sometimes when you're in a season of growth, it's going to stir up conflict from people. You can't grow without there being conflict from people. You may not realize it tonight, but you might be in a season of growth. You cannot have growth without conflict. You can't have growth. You can't have growth without growing pains. And sometimes those growing pains are from the people around you. You know, we're usually too insecure to see what God is doing inside of us. But some of the people around us can see it. And sometimes they struggle with it. 
I remember when I was in the Bible school, I was in Ring of Skiddy, and I was an entitled brat. I was a theological fathead. I thought I was going to finish Bible school and take over the world for Jesus, except not really for Jesus, for me. <laughs> and I was going to do this, that, and the other. Uh, when in reality, all I would really sit and do is crib and moan about stuff. I'll be really honest with you. We, I remember sitting in the bedroom. Actually, I, I, we've got a fellow alumni here. I won't name his name, but I can see him here. We, we're, we're smiling at each other because I think he knows where I'm going with this. We would sit in the room and we would just complain. We would gossip. We would give out because things weren't exactly the way we needed them to be. And our parents had paid good money for us to sit around and complain. And what would always, well, and, and this faculty member could have done this for me. Just, you know, beautiful. Just, just Jesus talk. <laughs> Amen. And whenever the faculty member we were discussing would walk into the room, we'd go silent, radio silent, heads down. Folks, when I finished Bible school, I started to help out some of those faculty members. And what happened was interesting. As I rose up into position, I would walk into that same room and conversations would stop and heads would go down. And I realized I'm, I've made it. I Mom, I've made it. They're talking about me as well. I've made it. They don't like me either. I'm, I'm finally there. It's funny, isn't it? First Samuel 18, the Bible says, that King Saul heard a song that triggered something inside of him. So I want you to imagine King Saul, he's driving around on his, on his, in, in, his, in, his, in his chariot and he's listening to the radio and he hears a familiar voice. Is that my name? Did I just hear my name? Turn a 10,000, David. I was like, what's this? Turn the radio up, blasting through the Bose speakers in the back of his chariot. David has, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. And the color drained out of Saul's face. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, Saul immediately thought, what is left but for him to take the kingdom from me? David was on the come up, and Saul had gotten threatened. And the Bible says that from that day on, he gave him the evil eye. Ah, David was no, he was no good. He was never any good. He was never good enough for my daughter. Ah, da, 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 da. And one day, David is in the presence of Saul. He's playing a harp just to soothe Saul. The Bible says that Saul is in a rage. He's foaming at the mouth. He's crazy. He's, the scriptures say a murderous spirit was on him. And the Bible says he took a javelin and tried to pin David to the wall. But David evaded him. In your growing season, you need to be prepared to evade some javelins. What was the javelin? The purpose of the javelin was to keep David where he was. That javelin was designed to keep him from moving. And sometimes in those moments, those growing seasons, people around you will throw javelins at you to keep you in your place. Hmm. 
And let me tell you right now, folks, we have to be like David. What did David do? The Bible says he turned, or the, the word says he evaded. And that word evaded means that he turned and went another direction. And for some of us, we got to change direction. We need to recognize that those people aren't against us. Maybe they see something in us that our insecurities won't allow us see. They won't allow us see. We need to evade, first and foremost. And we need to recognize and ask the Lord. Here's a bold prayer if you're in a growing season. Lord, help me to see what they see that I don't see. Amen? Point number three. Third thing that we need to understand is this. And this is my favorite one. The scriptures say that the man said to his workers, don't pull out the tears now. If you pull out the tares now, you are going to pull out the wheat as well. Do you know why I get excited about this, folks? This is why I get excited about this. And maybe you see what I'm talking about here. This is about character formation. Hallelujah. This is what it's about. It's about character formation. God lets us grow or exist al alongside them because uh, removing them early risks pulling up our destiny alongside them. Think of that, folks. That challenging person, that challenging relationship, the challenges you might be facing, it could be at home, could be your workplace, I don't know, whatever it is tonight, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. God is using that relationship to build something into you to make the roots go down deep into, into him, into his love, that you would be rooted and grounded in him so that if God removes that person at the right time, it's not going to dislodge your destiny. Let me show you. Take Saul out too early. You don't get David. You don't get King David. No, no, no. You take Laban out too early. You don't get Jacob. You take Potiphar's wife out too early, you don't get Joseph. I could go on and on and on. You take Eli out too early, you don't get Samuel. The Bible is full of individuals who God called to grow together with challenging people for a season to establish the sort of character that could propel them into their destiny. This is about your character formation, my character formation. Hallelujah. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. Praise the Lord. God said, I'll use it. I will use it in your life. I didn't cause it. I didn't author it, but I'll use it. I'll take it and I'll use it to build you, to make you into who I want you to be. Folks, there is power in a fresh perspective, isn't there? Wow. I pray now in the name of Jesus that there will be a fresh perspective fall on people in this place by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, Lord, to what you are doing, how you're using people who may challenge us, but ultimately are instruments in your hand. Hallelujah. Do you know what it does? It takes all the fire out of your spirit. It takes it all out of your spirit. Hallelujah. And I'm somebody's challenging person. Somebody's asking the Lord right now for a fresh perspective to deal with Patrick Dobbin. Amen? 
My wife is probably on her knees going, finally, finally, Lord. <laughs> Let him watch this back to take, to <laughs> physician, heal thyself. The more weeds, the greater the call. And the longer you're in it, the deeper, the fuller, the greater the investment into your future. Praise the Lord. You know, there's one thing as well. We've touched on three things that give us in, uh, understanding, but there's one thing that gives us comfort. And I love this part too. The Bible says in verse 30 that, it was, uh, that there was a harvest day approaching. And the last thing you need to know that is here, it's supposed to give you comfort is that this won't be forever. It won't be forever. There will be a day. And I want us to look at that day, like I mentioned, in, in, in terms of final separation. It's not, it's not, I'm not talking judgment. Yeah, one day you're going to throw that person into hell. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying one day, when the work is done, when uprooting them won't mean uprooting you. God may choose to move you somewhere or move them somewhere. Or once the work is finished, there might be a day of separation. So what you do until that day is vitally important. There'll be a day of separation, so you don't need to separate yourself. You don't need to cut ties necessarily, break the relationship. You don't necessarily need to do that. You know, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 26 that David had an opportunity, actually the second of two opportunities, to take the life of Saul. Bible says that Saul was encamped with a spear driven down by his head and Abner, the chief of his uh, armies, lying next to him, not doing his job. And, D and David and Abishai decide to go down. And hey, Abishai, because he's one of the sons of uh, Zeruah, because he's Joab's brother, he's full of fire and full of uh, just... Uh, there's plenty of guile in Abishai, and they're, they're, Abishai's like, let's go down. Let's kill Saul. Let's do it now. Now, God has given him into your hand. And David says something so important that we have to take on board. David says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. God will deal with Saul in time. God may strike him down. God may send him into battle. He may not return. But I will not touch him because I know that God is the one who ultimately will do the separating. When you take that on board, that there will be a day ordained by God that God will bring about, it brings restraint in the moment. We need restraint in the moment. David said, I will not destroy the Lord's anointed. How many of us have destroyed the people around us who've challenged us with our mouths? How many of us have destroyed people feeling vindicated because they've hurt us in some way, done something to us in some way? We feel like, oh, here's an opportunity. Here's a conversation. Here's an open door. I'm going to kill this person. David restrained himself because he knew that a day was coming. A day was coming. And so for us, there's power in restraint. There's power in restraint and in trust. That's the secret to restraint. And you know, Exodus 3, 7, I love it. God appears to, to uh, Moses in the uh, burning bush. And he says what? He says, I have seen 
and I have heard the oppression that the Egyptians are inflicting on the Israelites. So in the interim, there's restraint and there's the knowledge that God sees and hears and knows. I see it. And at the right time, God said, I've, I've come down. I've come down to make the separation. I've come down. God sees, God hears, God knows. So in the interim, we must learn to wait on him. Not respond, not react, not destroy with our mouths, not act without restraint, but trust that God can separate when the work is done, when it's finished. Bible says in Romans, oh, sorry, excuse me. So we shouldn't try and vindicate or avenge ourselves. Read Romans 12, 19. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, 35, that God will deal with things in time. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, and in Luke 12, 2, there's a day when men's motives will be exposed. So this need to either vindicate yourself and your heart or expose what you feel is malevolence in someone else. Wait on the Lord. There's a day. There's a moment. Hallelujah. Until then. So we've got our, we've got our understanding. And we've got our comfort. But it's not enough. What do we need to do with our emotions? We, we understand. We have comfort. What do we do with our emotions in this season? with the frustration in the season, with the discouragements in the season. To answer the question, I want to go to Psalm uh, 73. And I want to look at a man called Asaph. I want to have just got a few points left. I want to look at a man called Asaph, who understood what it was to live in the tension of growing together. Asaph understood what it was to live with what the Lord has decided not to take away. Now, listen, for some of you married people, I think you know, you'll know what I mean when I describe some of the tension of growing together. So when you're growing together, I usually find uh, when it's that challenging person, they're always doing really, really well. They're always doing amazing. They're always doing awesome. And it's always visible. And I'm always sort of, if there's any growth, it's, it's down. It's imperceptible. It's deep. It's root stuff. Have you ever... Have you ever fought with your wife uh, or your husband and they don't do, they say something they shouldn't do, something that they shouldn't on the way into church and then you come into church and they're worshipping and they're being blessed and you're carrying an offense and then they go downstairs and they get the best piece of cake, the last piece that Sharina uh, happens to have from the morning, they get the, they get the cake and then they get the, the coffee and you go to get the coffee and, and you get the end of it. So it's got all the granules in it. And nothing's working for you, but it's working for them. Yet they've hurt you. This is the tension that Asaph is talking about. It's gone so well, but it shouldn't be for that person. It's a real tension, folks. It's something I believe that people are living with. And so let's explore it right now. Let's read it. Asaph says this, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in hearts, 
But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on to say that they've got no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. And they, they're not in trouble as others are. And they're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their heart overflows with follies. They scoff and make, speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. And their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, the people turn back from them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain, I've kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But folks, look at this, verse 16 and 17. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God and I discerned their end. Wow. Asaph went into God's house. Asaph went into God's presence and there he got perspective. And folks, I want to tell you tonight as we, as we draw to a close, we need perspective. We need a victory in our perspective. That's what we need. And so Asaph lays out this tension. Asaph says, everything seems to be going well. Everything seems to be working, prospering. For, the, for, for, for people who've hurt me, offended me, all that. And I'm at a point now, Lord, where I wonder whether or not serving you is even worth it. That was the level of frustration he had gotten to. That was the level of despondency this man had gotten to. Are you there tonight? despondent because you cannot understand, reckon, rash reason out how this apparent disparity could be taking place. Let me tell you, you have to stop reasoning, looking at those people, trying to figure it out, and you got to bring those emotions, you got to bring it all into his presence. Hallelujah. There's a place you have something you need to do in this season. You have to bring the frustrations. You have to bring the despondency. You have to bring the discouragements into the presence of the Lord. He went into the presence and there the Lord gave him perspective. There the Lord gave him understanding. There the Lord showed him, Asaph, it's not forever. Asaph, it's not forever. Asaph... I'm with you. I love you. I'm working in your life. Asaph, I've not forgotten you. I've not abandoned you. I've not left you to the walls. It's not forever. Perspective. He goes on in the psalm to see, he describes the day, the day of separation, if you like. He's, he describes it. But then he goes on and he starts to talk about some of the things that he gets from the presence of God. See, folks, what I love is this. You can live with things that are unchanging when you bring the unchanging things into the presence of an unchanging God. You can, you can handle anything when you can bring it into the presence of the one who never changes. 
Asaph went into the presence looking at people. He came out of the presence looking at God. He went into the presence looking at the people who nearly stumbled him, unable to understand how difficult people were doing so well. And he comes out of the presence saying what? He comes out with some peas. Can I go through the peas with you tonight before we pray and close? The first P he comes out with is presence. He says, you're ever before me. You're ever with me. Other translations say, I'm still with you, Lord. Your presence hasn't departed from me. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've not abandoned me. You've not called me to grow alongside difficult people without your presence. Hallelujah tonight. And then he goes on to say, you take my right hand. And you know what I love? That's power. The right hand is always power. And what I like from the verse is, it means that your power in this season comes from the love of a father who takes your hand. Come on tonight. The love of a father who will take you by your right hand and say, hey, 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 hey. Look at me. Look at me. Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm with you. I am your father. I have not left you in this. This is for you. It's not happening to you. Look at me. So he gets presence and he gets power. And what else does he get? I'll just check my notes and then I'll tell you. He gets purpose. He gets purpose. Scriptures say in verse 24, you guide me with your counsel. That word counsel means purpose. Thank you, Lord. In your presence, you remind me that you have a plan for me and no toxicity can affect my trajectory. In your presence, you remind me that I'm going somewhere that you're taking me and all these challenges are really just building blocks and plateaus and catapults that shoot me into the destiny, the calling, the purpose that you've had for me from the beginning of time. You don't waste a drop, Lord. You don't have to author malevolence when you're in authority over it. Some of you, this should be freedom for you tonight. Some of you, you're wondering why people have treated you the way they've treated you. You're questioning the love of God for yourself. Let me tell you right now. He didn't author it. He's not behind it. He's above it. He's above it. I'll take it and I'll use it and I won't waste a drop. I won't waste a drop. And this, folks, is the end of my sermon. I just want to pray, and I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Nick. I just want to pray. But I want to encourage you tonight, if that's you, if that's you, my encouragement is this. Well, first, my, yeah, my encouragement is this. If you have him, you can grow anywhere. If you have him, you can grow in anything. If you have him, if you're taking unchanging things, unchanging situations into the presence of an unchanging God, you can endure, grow anywhere. Growing together is no problem when you're the king of kings, when you're in his presence. Amen. And the thing I want to just leave with you as I pray is this. Some of us need to bring those emotions, those frustrations, those discouragements 
into the presence of the Lord. You've got to bring it in. Because that thing isn't changing. Because God's called you to be together. Even though there are challenges. And God may ordain a day of separation in the future. But until then, you've got to bring it into the presence. Because so you can walk together. Pray with me. Will you lift your hands with me and let's pray. Lord, we just love you tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. There's nothing better than you. Nothing better than your presence. Nothing better than your grace, Lord. Nothing better than your love. Nothing better than your loving kindness, Lord. I'm so thankful for you, Jesus. Jesus, I sat with you this morning. I sat with you this morning. Oh, what a, what a boast. What a boast. I sat with the King of Kings this morning, the Lord of Lords this morning the lover of my soul, the one who cares for me, the unchanging one. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, in your presence, this perspective. In your presence, I see that nothing is forever except you. Nothing is forever except you, Lord. I thank you, God. The only thing that doesn't end is your love for me. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, in your presence, this perspective. Lord, in your presence, I'm reminded that I have your presence. God, in, in your presence, I'm reminded that you're a loving father who takes me by my right hand when I'm afraid and when I'm worried and when it's too hard. You take me by my right hand because you love me. And Lord Jesus, in your presence, I'm reminded that I have a purpose. It's not over. Or you're doing something in my life and no toxicity can affect my trajectory. We thank you, Lord. We're a rich people tonight. We're your people tonight. We're your people, Lord. Help us not to reason it out get stuck in our heads. Instead, Lord, let us go to you and bring it into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.